Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline, you're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's the Plan? Today we have as guests both Mark Carbonero and, of course, the frequent guest, Mr. Dan Miller, who always brings it. Uh, great local personality, always has great opinions on, on the goings-ons in Monterey, PG, and Carmel, and throughout the peninsula. He may even have thoughts on Salinas, but we, we don't often delve into the, uh, the Salinas Valley, but maybe we'll get there today. Um, but before we begin, let me uh, plug my business, uh, Express Employment of Monterey County. At Express, we can help your business find great people. So search us out on the web today at Express Employment Monterey. Also, you can find this program at whatstheplanmonterey.com or at iTunes and Spotify. Daniel Miller, great to have you on the program as always. Great to be back, Paul. So I there's a lot in the news this week. And uh, I think the, the one that, that probably I, I'm most interested in getting your opinion on <clears throat> is the city had hired a planning firm out of San Jose, and then they terminated it, that contract. And it turns out that the planner had not been paid for about eight months. And we can read the uh, statement from the city manager uh, basically saying they they kind of weren't performing. So uh, I don't know. What do you, what's, your, what's your thoughts on this? And if you want to give a little bit more background on the issue. Well, basically, uh, the state has dictated that uh, each city, each county, each entity in the state come up with the housing element. And in that, we've been appropriate, you know, apportioned uh, a certain amount of units we have to provide. And in this case of Pacific Grove, it's 300 units, which since we have like five, you know, empty lots is a little difficult to do. So they contracted with this company to come up with, and they do this every few years, about I think every eight years, and they come up with a uh, this pie in the sky thing, like, oh, you could develop uh, proper, uh, you know, housing on the Safeway parking lot. This is actual. You could, you know, get, you know, this person's house and they have so much land on it, you could put this many units on it. And we never reach our quota. And now we have 300 that we have to do in the next eight or 10 years that we've been approaching. So we go to this company and say, hey, come up with where and when and how we can meet the state mandate. Otherwise, we get theoretically get cut off from state funds and everything else. So we contracted with these people, ton of money. They're months into coming up with this. And all of a sudden, the city manager, not going to the city council, the city manager decides we're not continuing on with the contract because you guys haven't performed. Now, what was originally told to the council, you know, once they started asking questions was they'd only come up with eight pages where we were reaching the end and they had to have the whole thing done coming up here. Here in, a, in a few months. And uh, as it turns out, it wasn't eight pages, it was 250 pages. But it was eight months since the city had made a payment to them for all the work they were doing. And the city, according to an article in the Carmel Pinecone, and from what I understand, it's true because I have checked into it, uh, they, they weren't returning phone calls to this company when they'd call and say, hey, we need to know this element, this you know, piece of property, this, that, or the other thing, whatever their questions were, the housing person, the head of community development 
wasn't returning their phone calls. Yeah, the RFIs weren't getting answered. In fairness to the city manager, he said the city, this is a direct quote, the city terminated its professional services agreement with the company uh, in March of uh, 2023 because they were unable to deliver an adequate draft housing element document. So that's end quote. That and is, when they were asked that que- when he was asked that question, though, he said, "So far, we've only got eight pages, and we'd only uh, we've only given them, and it was a real low amount." Yeah, because you haven't made you know paid in the past eight months. But in the end, when they terminated, uh, and this a lot of this came out because uh, a, a local woman had done a, a Freedom of Information Act, Public Records Act, and gotten a lot of this material, and a retired attorney uh, got on it too. Is that uh, we ended up paying like $86,000 and there was 250 pages already generated. And the only reason why it wasn't coming to fruition in an end was because they weren't answering the questions, nor were they paying for it. So what was originally presented to council by the city manager when push was coming to the shove and they had to do a new contract for this company uh, that's doing it now was that uh, it wasn't anything like what the city manager originally told the council. Well, zooming up to uh, 30,000 feet, and Mark, you can chime in if you'd like, is um, eventually we're mandated to, to create this new housing. And what what I came up in previous uh, episodes with Mark and I is they're about to expand Monterey One Water, and so that means that you're going to be able to, you know, it's been reported that that will mean that people who own lands will be able to develop plots of land or add a- additional bathrooms on the peninsula. I theorized possibly that that water could get consumed on the expansion of housing projects because it might be entirely consumed by these kind of initiatives to add all this additional housing on the peninsula in Carmel and in uh, Pacific Grove and in Monterey as well. So do you think, I just wanted to put that to you, Dan, do you think that the expansion of Monterey One Water by 40% is going to be consumed by this state mandated housing or do you think we're actually going to be able to build bathrooms for grandma well yeah um a lot of it well again it's going to be proportioned out to the different entities and you're already having talk in pacific grove that this uh, city parking lot behind the movie theater is going to be like 100 units you know so you start ending up with uh real quickly the water going and um if it, it's going to be interesting too. If it if that ends up happening, uh, the city's got this small water project that's completely upside down, losing tons of money. Which I warned the current city manager about before they even uh, built it. Can I ask you a clarifying question yeah. about one of the statements? So you mentioned this this hundred person uh, or hundred car parking garage. Who would adjudicate? So if I wanted to build a bathroom, and I assume this is going to be like the short term rental certificates, is going to be just mob. It's going to be mob. Uh, you know, there, there, there will be no process involved. But who will adjudicate if I want to get a water credit? Who's going to adjudicate that? Is it first come first serve? Do you think, or has the county talk, or I mean, has the city talked at all about how they would entertain requests, or is it requests that have already been on the books, or, or how how are they going to figure out who actually gets these water credits, or is it possibly going to end up, you know, being whoever the favorite person is? Right. Well, it's way. it's way down the road right now because it hasn't. You know, they haven't cleared how much it is. They haven't gotten the state to okay it because we're under, you know, a, a restraining order from the state as far as new hookups and stuff. As it is now, 
you can get water if you got a hookup going into a property, but you have to pay the city a nice chunk of money to get that hookup uh, or to you know feed off the hookup that already goes into the property. You can't do a new larger hookup nor change use. So if you're a commercial space, you can't say, hey, now we're going to be low income housing and go up, you know, eight stories. So when it if this water indeed's freed up, then the city will do a pecking order, you know, what goes where they'll apportion it to like this much will go to commercial, this much will go to, you know, multifamily, this will go to single family. But what the interesting thing that will happen is the water we now have that we're trying to sell to people for a lot of money could become worth a whole lot less money. And so a project that we already have that is losing money hand over fist every year, we're losing uh, estimates are about a quarter million a year uh, as it is because of the operating. You're, you're talking about the small, small water near project. the um, municipal golf course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that that thing could go completely upside down because as it is now, they haven't sold uh, all the water, and it's been available now for a couple of years. So it's it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting time as far as water as it has been for decades on the peninsula. Uh, but it will be up to the council to decide what categories it goes to, what the terms are. And of course, if Calam's able to do new hookups, new allocations, they're going to be in the thick of things or you know, if the, they're indeed purchased uh, by the, the rate payers, uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, concept as to, to what's going to happen, what's going to be charged, and who will get the water. I, I was going to ask for your opinion. So this brings back Mark... Um who's who's uh, here today wrote a letter to the editor of the pinecone and he theorized that the the loan to buy calam would end up costing ratepayers almost as much as uh you know this is me now injecting my opinion but it would cost almost as much as the desal plant would cost just from the finance charges of buying calam and then someone the ratepayers assume would have to pay that finance charge because it would be amortized like you're buying a house did you read that uh mark's letter to the editor and i just want to get your opinion on that no i missed it usually uh, i do see it because i think the pine cones the only thing resembling a paper we have anymore in the in the county uh but um but yeah you know it that's possible i mean it needs to be penciled out you know sometimes it's the old be careful what you ask for kind of thing because uh it could end up costing us a lot more i'm not wild about cal am you know one way or another they're getting their pound of flesh they're asking for another rate increase now and the funny thing look at your bill sometimes see how little you pay for water and how much it's for Calam mistakes, infrastructure, billing, city charges. I mean, it's just incredible what you pay to the water district. I mean, it just goes on and on. Well, you're actually, you, you know, to water to add and, to that. I know it's not oh. water related, but I think they don't get enough attention is PG&E. And this is this is bad governance at the state level. There's something on the order of like $100 a month charge, depending on the size of your bill. Uh, for the the power that we buy from other states, uh, there's there's this usage bill, and that that's one of the ways you can save on that. Is of course, if you buy solar power, you can lose some of those those charges. But uh, they charge a lot from buying power from other states. Similar 
I know Cal Am is probably charging us a lot for recapitalization and putting in new water pipes, which is, yeah. Well, the interesting thing with PG&E is most cities uh, went to this green energy production. So PG&E, I mean, you'll look at Moss Landing. They're dismantling the power plant over there. PG&E is responsible for transmission of the power now mm-hmm. and billing. They're not responsible for producing the power because everybody's contracted with this i think it's community power i think they're called that is supposed to produce cheaper green energy for everybody and if you look at your bill don't think that's really working out happening happening hey uh, paul something i wanted to jump in with and it kind of has to circle back to the first story that dan was talking about what's amazing to me you know most almost astonishing is that the city manager stiffed these guys for eight months and figures, mm-hmm. well, I'll just get away with this. It, it's just hard to, it boggles the mind to think, you know, how arrogant can you be? You're going to stiff a, a vendor and you're, you're going to get away with it and they're never going to get their money? Jeez. Yeah. Well, Mark, I think we're uh, seeing, uh, I wouldn't even say the beginning of the end, I'd say the final throws of the city manager. He has, this is a big one. And uh, well, usually to Mark's point, Dan, and you'll know more about this is usually contracts like this, at least in construction contracts and in uh, architectural service contracts like this, you will have a terminations clause in there and it will specify some uh, termination for convenience or non-performance. And there'll be some way to adjudicate that and some termination fee. So I, I'm sure there's they've got legal recourse. I mean, if it's if it's a normal contract, I don't know. Dan, continue that. My guess is they don't want to really uh, rock the boat because they do a lot of this work. So they've kind of taken the high road on some things, but they also had to defend themselves. You know, they didn't just let it lay when the city manager said they'd only gotten eight pages. They said, no, we've got 250 pages report done. You know, when the city manager said, well, yeah, uh, you know, they, they haven't produced. He never said my staff hasn't been getting back to them, which is what, you know, the, the contractor said which was, you know, they'd go months without getting returned phone calls. You know, you can't do that. You got to be providing them with the information that they're asking for in order for them to do their work. And if staff wasn't doing that, not only is it a problem with the staff where heads should roll, because this is huge. Well, but, but didn't wasn't the there, there was a turnover in the planning department, wasn't there, Dan? There was a turnover in the well, planning department during this period. The, uh, think, right? As far as the head, there was. But they put somebody in as the head who... Uh, most people don't think is qualified to be that came from doing housing grant stuff, which if you remember messed up on the motel thing for, you know, low income rehab people and everything else. And then they, you know, bumped her up and now she's messed up this. So how long do you keep that person? The city manager isn't managing is what I'm saying. And it's become incredibly evident. He's misleading the council. He's, you know, I've, I was on that council when he was hired. I was part of that hiring. And as I tell people, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Uh, some of them real doozies. But uh, one of my biggest mistakes, because it affected so many people, it affected this whole town, was supporting Ben Harvey to come in as city manager. Mm. Well, let's, let's talk about some of the other uh, developments. So we can talk about the theater or the uh, boutique hotel that was supposed to go where Mondo's uh, <laughs> across from the library. So okay. why don't we quickly cover those two yeah. subjects? 
So update on the hotel is they're supposed to, I was told a couple weeks ago that they themselves said it would, uh, uh, ground would be broken within 60 days. Now we've heard this many times over the past couple of years, but so we'll see if that happens. That's the update on that one. The movie theater actually, uh, good old days is May 6th and 7th. They're actually open the doors to sell concessions out of there, you know, hot dogs and popcorn and stuff. So the NIA's got such a history and a foundation with movie theaters and, you know, they spend a lot of time living here. Uh, that, you know, I think they really want to keep it as a movie theater. And, you know, outside of Eminent Domain and good luck with that, um, I I think that might stay a movie theater even if housing does go on the parking lot. So hopefully it does, but it's everything's so iffy right now on, on that parcel that it's real tough to make that decision to uh, update the theater and get it, you know, really rolling uh, like it needs to in order to compete with uh, the theaters out at uh, Del Monte Center. Yeah, but it's so it's so quaint and local. I hope it stays yep. open. Um, you're listening to What's the Plan on 101.1 FM at 1460 AM. I'm Paul Wyant, and uh, my guest today is Mr. Dan Miller, a uh, Pacific Grove, um, how, how should I say, former council member and just, uh, just knowledgeable about all things Pacific Grove, Carmel, and Monterey. So I'm going to bring up uh, unincorporated Monterey County. <laughs> given that, that uh, but that, but I'll talk, but this is Mark's wheelhouse really actually oh. is the Monterey County board of supervisors unanimously voted to require the County planning commission to review all short-term rental applications in Carmel Valley, Corral de Tierra and unincorporated parts of Carmel. And this is, this is because I guess they had had a, a moratorium on reviewing applications. Some people are still supporting the moratorium, but apparently five, all five of the, the County supervisors voted to, to continue reviewing these applications. Mark, did you read about that? And, I did, I did. Uh, and, it, and it also yeah. seems like one of the things that's maybe tying the hands in indecision for the supervisors is that um, the TOT money that comes to the county uh, from unincorporated Carmel Valley is really significant because when you think of transient occupancy taxes being paid uh, in Monterey County, the vast majority... Uh, are paid to the city of Monterey because Monterey has the most hotel rooms. And then you have uh, Carmel and Pacific Grove and other cities. But the county, other than the Pebble Beach Lodge, and then, of course, you've got some properties out in Carmel Valley, Monterey County doesn't have a, a huge TOT imprint. And those those STRs, the ones that are registered and, and that are paying uh, TOT money, that's a significant amount of dollars. And so the county, I think, quite frankly, the Board of Soups are looking at, man, you know, we just can't get rid of all this money right now. And they're trying to trying to please both sides. But I, I, the one thing that I want to say about this, and I understand the complaints of some of the people that don't want the STRs out in Carmel Valley, but the one canard that must be dispensed with is that these STRs are depriving the community of affordable housing. Now, come on. Homes in Carmel Valley, the Big Sur Coast, and, the, and Carmel, and, and so forth, these are not affordable by any means. If those homes were not being rented at $500 a day or whatever the people are getting for them as STRs, they would be renting for upwards of five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand $10,000 a month. Okay, mm -hmm. so in what world is that affordable? Now, if 
If somebody says, okay, I'm against STRs in Salinas because people are taking $1,500 a month apartments in East Salinas and, and using them as STRs, maybe then you have a valid argument about displacing affordable housing. But there's no way any of those STRs out in Carmel Valley represent what uh, any of us would consider to be affordable housing. We all know it's it's watermark. We know it is. <laughs> <laughs> the hey, and and this is funny. It's actually a funny thing I noticed. Uh, by by the way, with water and affordable housing, have you noticed the demographic uh, cliff that exists in on the peninsula? It, it's right around like maybe forty five or fifty. So if you're forty five or fifty or older, that's that's the demographic of the peninsula, and then it just goes off a cliff and. That year, that between that and 20 is about 30 years, which is about how long we've been wrestling with water. So I'm wondering if there's a correlation between those two. You see what I'm saying here is that mm -hmm. we've stopped getting water and we've been anti-growth. And the minute we became anti-growth, all the young people moved out. Uh, I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, no, but I but think you know, there's something to that connection. There. By the way, anyway. speaking of water, if... You know, some people have these draconian ideas that, that we need to get, you know, we need to force people that have second homes to either live in them or tax them <laughs> out of those homes and make them sell them. Well, you know, th there are a lot of homes in Monterey and PG on the peninsula. Let's put it this way. There's a lot of homes in the Calam service area that aren't occupied full time. So do you think that you know, the water problems we have are going to get any better if we yeah. decide that all those homes need to be occupied 100% of the time? Of course, it's going to get worse. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, that, 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 you know, that's a parallel to the argument. And you'll have to follow. This is some, some hazy logic here, Mark. But that's a parallel to the argument is like if I have four people living in my house with one bathroom and I add a second bathroom, am I really using more water or am I just – you know, spreading out where the water is used. It's it's kind of illogical. So I, I go back to, I think it should be based on consumption rather than spigots. But I don't know. Dan, what's your opinion on all this? Well, hey, there are some changes that you can get bathrooms in, especially because of what you just said. But the reality is the demand here for housing is so great now, affordability doesn't come into the picture. Uh, Monterey's doing a bunch of stuff now as far as uh, affordability and, you know, doing this, you know, registration and stuff, which is a precursor to, to rent control, to which my new thing on that is, if you believe so much in rent control and taking, basically capping what property owners can make, how about this? How about you kick in something? How about you, you take the city's portion of property tax on those properties and you stop collecting it? You yeah. allow the owners of those places, you're going to cap them, you cap what you can get from them. So have some skin in the game if you're going to make the property. <laughs> there you go. I like that's that. That's actually a pretty funny, that's <laughs> a pretty that funny. Really uh, good. Uh, hey. the, you know, I, read, I, I saw uh, Zillow gave me an update uh, yesterday, and it said the average price of a house in Pacific Grove is now $1.3 million. So congratulations, yeah. gentlemen. Yeah. Hey, Paul. <laughs> Paul and, yep. and uh, Dan, I wanted to add something here. I wanted to call out the Monterey County Weekly over uh, an omission, okay? Ooh. Now, this goes to the Michael Gonzalez story that we talked about off the air. And when the story broke a couple of weeks ago that uh, Michael Gonzalez had received a settlement in his favor from the city of Pacific Grove, it was a big story in the Herald. It was a front-page story in the Carmel Pinecone. And this last week... 
because um, I, I think when the story hit, the, the, the weekly had already gone to press. But they had a mention. They had a small mention online in their news column online that Michael Gonzalez and the city of Pacific Grove had settled for uh, $10,000 minus 2000 in withholding. That's all that they mentioned. Then yeah. when I picked up this week's edition of the weekly, I went paging through it looking to see if there was an expanded story about Gonzalez. And I even checked the that little column called Free Speech because I figured that under the the buzz they would have you know michael michael gonzalez effectively winning his free speech case with the city of pacific grove not a mention at all and so this to me is really an example of a publication that believes in you know all the news that fits they're going to print everything that fits their agenda because if you go back to when the story hit the 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 way some of the uh, news organizations in this community pilloried mr gonzalez and declared him persona non grata and guilty, you know, before even, you know, being able to state his his case. Well, I'll tell you what, the 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 people editorializing and column writing in the in the uh, weekly were right at the very head of that. And now that it turns out that um, that you know he effectively won his case, there's nothing about it in the weekly. And it, if he had lost, I mean, if it was a blanket you know loss for him, I'm sure it would have been reported with with a lot of gusto there. And I just wanted to call them out for that because I think it's just patently dishonest because for people who only look at the weekly and nothing else no. they have no other information other other than what they were spoon-fed when that story first hit the uh, hit the air months ago and i just think it's it's fundamentally wrong it's unfair and it's it's just not it's just not good journalism well they kind of did the same thing with me mark back when i had my whole thing which was a slap suit which is something they should be all over because it affected newspapers mm-hmm. and it affected somebody going after somebody to try and stop and this is the weekly and what they've become there uh, there is such a shadow of what they ever were and uh, it's absolutely pathetic that they have now they're always out there you know we need money and subscribe to our paper and this and that and the other thing and it's like you know they do some things good things with Monterey uh, County gives but I'll tell you by and large as a newspaper and getting news out their coverage of the skateboard park stuff was just absolutely one-sided and pathetic absolutely yeah. pathetic we, let's talk about that. So you, so describe that, Dan. Yeah, talk about the skate park because the the Pacific Grove skate park. I I know uh, one of the uh, council members was suggesting we have a van go to the skate park over by Elastero Lake. That was one of the alternatives offered. But I don't know. Give a recap of it. How you fell out on and, and describe the uh, Monterey uh, County Weekly's uh, position. Well, when it came out, it was when it was proposed. I said, wait a second. Put on the brakes here. Don't waste staff time. Don't waste any money. Don't get your hopes up kids and parents this thing was looked at you know 15 18 years ago whenever the heck it was uh and we could find nowhere to do it nowhere that it would affect people and everywhere was looked at everywhere and they didn't listen and so they got all these kids hopes up did all these surveys did all this stuff and where did they get exactly where they got 15 years ago and if they'd listened to me <laughs> which they never do uh, and the historical knowledge of what had happened instead of all the people that have moved here two years ago uh they wouldn't have pursued it but the the weekly acts like this is some kind of uh thing where where it's you know the old nimby thing and it's like, you know, it's easy to holler NIMBY 
if it's not in your neighborhood and it's something you find offensive. And my The thing that I usually say is, you want a strip club next door to you? Are you going to say, hey, I'm against a strip club? And for goodness sake, Bradley Zeeve, years ago, him and his mom were against a, a, a nightclub. Uh, I believe it was actually my nightclub in Salinas, but I don't know that for a fact. They were against a nightclub and did everything in the world because the mom, Bradley Zeeve's mom, did not want a nightclub in her neighborhood. Now the paper comes out, and every time it's pickleball, it's skateboard parks, or it's anything else, the weekly has their one-sided reporting as to what's good. And all those people that are against this are horrible people. It just They castigate the people that are against something that they support. And the whole concept comes from the same place. I might, I might be playing pickleball this weekend. I don't want to push your buttons, but, uh, but not near your house. I'm telling you that. Yeah, as long as it's not a resident in a residential area, it's fine. But you don't come and ruin somebody's quiet neighborhood with the sport that people aren't even willing to pay an extra twenty bucks to get a quiet paddle and quiet balls, so that it doesn't make that popping sound. They're so arrogant and entitled that they don't care about the neighborhood. And it was the same with skateboards. I'm not against skateboards. I'm not against a skateboard park. You just can't do it to people that have spent a million dollars on their house, for goodness sake. Uh, Dan, the lovable curmudgeon is what we call him. <laughs> it came out there at the end, didn't it? I know, it did. I'm pro skate park <laughs> and uh, pickleball court, but, uh, but I do respectfully... Uh, hear your your, uh, your complaints and uh, would not want to put them next to your house. So we have that in common. Um, I'm, I'm Paul Wyatt, owner of Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County. Google us, Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County. Also go to our website, what's the plan, Monterey.com, and listen to this great show every week going back. Dan, I hope to have you back soon and more often. I love love hearing your opinion. Thanks to the greatest Anytime, producer in the Paul. business, the man in the booth, Mr. Mark Carbonero. And, of course, Dave Marzetti, the host of the Saturday Morning Shagbag Radio Show, right here on 101.1 FM and 